The following is a paid program and does not necessarily reflect the views of WABC. Somewhere over the rainbow, we Welcome to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour, bringing you honest talk, even when it bites. Now on 77 WABC, here are your hosts, Alex Alexanian and Brenda Bush. Welcome, 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 and we are live. It's Alex Alexanian with my partner in crime here. Brenda Bush. And we are live in the studios of the great WABC in New York City, high atop Madison Square Garden. After two weeks of recorded shows while we were in uh, Southern California, love that state, dog-friendly state. Love it, love it, absolutely. Dogs can walk around without leashes and nobody gives them a ticket. They can come in and have a coffee with you in your patio or, or lunch, shop. a coffee yeah, shop yeah. and nobody gives you a ticket. We love California and the great... K-A-B-C out there, who was our host while we taped our shows. Um, it was kind of nice not to have to get up at 3.30 a.m. in the morning. Yes, it was. But we missed our New York audience, our live New York audience. So if any of you want to call up and say how much you love or detest California, we are here. 1-800-848-WABC or 1-800-848-9222. And today's topic is dog fostering. If you don't know what dog fostering is, you're going to find out about it. But if you, you do, know. you probably have a few at home already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, too many. Um, yeah, we're going to be taking our attention to, off of the the budget cut talks, which I think last time I looked was nine hours a day on WABC. People talk uh, nine hours a day about what is going on with the, between the Republicans and the Democrats. That is not the subject of this hour. This no. hour, we're going to talk about the little furry guys that live with us. Believe it or not. Um, they only get one hour every week, and this is the one, the and Dogs the homeless, in Danger Radio And the hour. homeless ones in shelters. Yeah, but uh, the alien species, I keep calling them, that live with us, that we uh, give so little attention to, who give us so much back. You know, just imagine if all the animals, all the animals just disappeared, what would your life be like? You just think about it for a second. First of all, you'd be damn well, hungry. We'd, we'd go, ex- we'd go extinct pretty quickly, I think. Uh, well, yeah, but I'm, I'm not even talking about it from a hunger perspective. You'd be very. I'm hungry. not talking about food. And McDonald's stock There's a whole would be terrible. Oh my god! <laughs> McDonald's stock. <laughs> they were advertising <laughs> salads on the way in on the <laughs> on the highway this morning. I don't know. But uh, but I want to talk uh, just a couple of seconds about um, you know some subjects that went by the news wires this week, and one of them was uh, Maddie's Fund report that came out. Maddie's Fund. Is a is is a fascinating organization. Of course, people inside of the animal rights movement are, you know, totally aware of what's going on with Maddie's Fund. For those of you that don't know what Maddie's Fund is, it is probably the largest private donation to the animals in the history ever. of ever in animals. Okay, which goes back whatever back to you know ancient Egypt. Um, anyway, and it was founded by um, these, this, this gentleman, the Duffield family, David Duffield, who was the founder of PeopleSoft. People that are, you guys that are into internet, you know that PeopleSoft was a huge company. They got sold. They made billions out of it, and they donated two hundred million dollars to start Maddie's Fund to try to eliminate death of animals. And anyway, so Maddie's Fund is a big deal in the world where there is no money. Okay, nobody gives money to animals. Let's get that straight. We only give money to ourselves, folks, so wake up. Um, anyway, so Maddie's Fund just came out with a report. For the first time in their history, in the history of the animal movement, they actually compiled a report of shelters and how many animals go inside the, in, in the door, the front door, how many animals go out back out the front door, meaning adopted, and how many of them go out the back door, meaning dead. This is the first time well, ever what... revolutionary mm-hmm. report. And this is, and I'm quoting the words from Maddie's Fund for the first time ever in history. They started that. Um, so I looked at that report, and I, and I, and of course, I went right to the ne- my nemesis, which is New York Animal Control. This this monster, this beast of a, of an organization here in New York, uh, right right under my nose. And anyway, so we looked at the report, and, and we noticed that for 2009, which was the last year of report, I think, uh, 42 million. And, uh, 42,000 animals were taken in. Sorry, 42,000 animals were taken in. Um, 8.2 thousand were adopted, and 13.6 thousand were killed. Well, that explained 22,000 of the 42,000 that came in the front door. What happened to the other 20,000? 
48% of the animals that walked in the door, unexplained, disappeared, went where? Not killed. Not, and this is supposed to be the first ever sort of right. this authority of a report from this organization well, loaded with money. The unfortunate part is, and the, and the, the piece that you, that, that you didn't mention is that Maddie's Fund has been responsible for community programs and for funding shelters across the country. And um, they've been doing it for years, including here in New York City. So check them out on their website. It's, you know, it was, a, I think, a well-intended program that has had tragic unintended consequences. And there are so many dogs being killed and letting uh, and shelters allowed, you know, a, a appearing to do a better job than they really are because they want to hold on to their Maddie's Fund grants. Um, it, it's it's a shame. It's really a shame. And, and so what I did was I took the statistics and I shot it off to our friend in the West Coast, Nathan Winograd, who is... Uh, one of the great leaders of the, of this movement, one of the great leaders. And um, he wrote back an email, and I just want to read something from it, you know, just a couple of sentences from, uh, sentences from uh, Nathan's email, and I'm reading verbatim. Um, All of us who have followed the movement have felt confused and finally betrayed by Maddie's Fund. Instead of forcing New York City to close the gap between what they claim they are doing and what they are really doing, Maddie's Fund has become a defender and protector of the status quo. They've gone from ineffective to harmful. Anyone who denies it is an enemy of decency and compassion. Now, man, when the biggest grant ever made to the animal cause goes so sick and so wrong, I got to tell you, you know, when I look at the budget negotiations, like how could we ever get anything right? How How do we get anything right? Anyway, I don't know. I think that's a question for another show or, or at least another cup of coffee because it's it's over me. It's totally over me. I was it was depressing it's as sad. usual. It's sad. Being you know, because the they're good people at Maddie's Fund. They are. And it's just it's it's so sad that it's gone this way. You know what? If there was a few other people like uh, Mr. David Duffield that gave a couple hundred million dollars, we wouldn't be so dependent on Mr. Duffield's brain to save the animals. But when Mr. Duffield's brain gets a little corrupted and does stupid stuff like this. You know what? We have nowhere else to go, buddy. We got nowhere else to go. You're it. Anyway, we'll be right back with our first guest, and we're going to be talking about dog fostering. Hi, this is Alex. And Brenda. From the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour with a special message for you, WABC listeners. Our charity, the Buddy Fund, has saved over 50,000 dogs from being killed, placing them in loving homes across the country. Through our program, Dogs in Danger, we give a voice to the voiceless and raise awareness about issues and indiscretions in the animal community that would otherwise go unnoticed. However, as a charity, we are dependent on donations from listeners like you to keep the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour alive on WABC Radio. We ask that you please look into your hearts, and if you support our cause and want to continue help us make a difference, please log on to dogsindanger.com and make a donation to the Buddy Fund. Any amount you can spare would go a long way in helping keep animals out of kill shelters and informative programming on the air. It's up to listeners like you to help make the difference in the life of a furry little friend. So please log on to dogsindanger.com and make a difference. Love rabbits? So do we. Come visit the Best Friends Animal Society website during Rabbit Week, July 18th through the 24th, to explore everything about rabbits. Best Friends Animal Society is working all around the country to help animals and to bring about a time when there are no more homeless pets. Plus, our very special pet sanctuary is unlike any other on Earth. It's something you have to experience to believe. So come visit us at bestfriends.org. That's bestfriends.org to learn more about the magic. And don't forget to join us for Rabbit Week. Markable Radio, the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on 77 WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. We're back in the Dogs Are Wild in the studios of the great WABC in New York. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. I want to introduce our first guest and uh, switch off this depressing subject of uh, Maddie's Fund and talk about dog fostering. And those of you that don't know what it is, you are just about ready to find out what, what it is. Um, Carrie Peterson is a certified animal behavior college dog trainer. He, she also co-founded All They Need Is Love Animal Rescue, which is a well-known and well-respected rescue. Carrie, are you with us this morning? Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. Great. Thank you for joining us so early in the morning. No problem. I'm up walking dogs anyway. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we know dog person when we hear one. <laughs> uh, so, Carrie, tell us, uh, what is dog fostering? 
dog fostering is basically taking a homeless dog and bringing him into your home and making him, you know, almost one of your own while looking for um, his forever home. Yeah, but so, you do you do this within the guise of an organization, right? You don't you, you don't you don't just get in your car, drive around, look. No, find no, the- no. Yes, yes. Um, you know, a rescue will pull a dog from a shelter mostly, and um, you know, and then they find foster homes. So you know, any any person um, who qualifies for it can bring a dog into their home and help them. You know, look for their forever home. And it's called fostering because uh, because you're wow. Um, <laughs> because you're bringing them into your home, you're you're giving them foster care. I'm I'm not quite sure how to answer that. I'm well, I, I presume it's because it's temporary, right? I mean, you're yes, fostering, yes. and it's a, it's temporary, just right? like for human kids, right? Exactly, exactly. It's the same exact thing, right? I mean, the the dog is expected to leave your home at some point. Yes, right. Where where some people will end up keeping the dogs, but the goal is to find another home so you could bring another one in. So you'll do it. So once the first dog leaves, you do it again, right? Exactly. Right, because the goal is not to help one dog. It's to help many dogs right. over time. So you exactly. continually bring in one dog after the other, and they stay short time, long time, whatever it takes to get it adopted, and then you just go out and get another one, right? Exactly. And every um, dog that you pull from the shelter, you're saving two dogs. You're keeping a kennel open for another dog in the shelter, and then you're bringing one into your home. Beautiful. And, and, and why is this important? Because there's too many dogs, <laughs> and we don't want them to be euthanized. So, uh, you know, a lot of shelters will put down for space. So, no, as why, many as- why is fostering itself as a practice important to the overall, you know, to, to save As opposed to dogs? being kenneled in a shelter. Right. right. Oh, well, there's many advantages. You bring the dog in, you actually get to know the dog. The dog can get comfortable. You can see its quirks. Um, you know, it's if it needs training, all these things, and so you'd be able to match him up um, better with another home. So, for example, you know, if you notice he doesn't maybe like children, you're not going to send him home with children. And sometimes in the kennel, you, you cannot really see um, that full personality of a dog. And when you live with a dog, you really get to know them. Absolutely. Wonderful, wonderful. And how many animals do you think are saved through fostering? Do you have any statistics at all? Oh, my goodness, I do not. I'm, I'm sure it's, you know, thousands, um, but I, I have not looked into those numbers. I mean, there aren't, I any published, there aren't any published right. statistics that, not, I, that I know of. Yeah. Estimates are, you know, tens of thousands every year, but, you know, who, who knows? Like how many people foster in your rescue, in your particular um, We rescue? have about seven. And within that seven, um, you know, we we can have somewhere up to 30 at a time. A lot of them, you know, if they're puppies, of course, they have more. And these people have these people have personal dogs of their own as well, right? Absolutely. Everyone does um, in my organization. And so we make sure, you know, you bring in a dog that, you know, is going to fit in. Um, and then we work with them and we help train them and, and, you know, get them ready for the new home. And how many dogs, let's get the layout of your home right now. How many of your own dogs and how many fosters do you have right now? Don't you hate that question, Carrie? Yeah, because I'm a little embarrassed. Um, I have one one dog of my own. Um, she's a Rottweiler. And then right now I have about seven fosters. Wow. Wow. What's the and, longest time one has been with you? Um, Probably only two months. Oh, wow. They, 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 they turn. Pretty much, yeah, they pretty much turn. Um, I don't think I've had them longer than two months. So, I mean, we network, we, you know, we bring them out, we bring them to events, we put them up on Pet Finder, and we work hard to get them into that home. Wow. And is there any money in fostering? I mean, do you make anything out of it? No. <laughs> Does <laughs> no, any... you, lose, you lose money. But, um, you know, now that um, you know, if you're 501c3, we can deduct on our taxes. Wait a second. You said you lose money. How do you lose money on? I mean, oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said it like that. Um, you just, you know, um, just you. All you have to do is buy dog food. The rescue itself. I run the rescue, so therefore, <laughs> um, that's a little bit more money. A regular foster does not. Um, you know, the vet bills and things like that. But just but so people understand, money. fostering is not a money making proposition. You do no, it out of the goodness no. of your heart. And hopefully you do it with the support of a rescue group, and they're helping you with medical bills, some help with dog food, 
But, um, you know, it, it's it's not a money-making proposition to be fostering. Right. No. And my rescue, we, we pay for um, everything except for the dog food. And sometimes we will do that, too. But, um, you know, so nobody is losing any money. Right. They're just not making anything. Exactly. Okay. And uh, are you married, children, all that? No, I'm single. Single and no so kids? I'm here, here by myself. No, no kids. Okay. Um do you really think that, uh, Carrie, uh, just going a little bit, you know, I like to go uh, uh, take the plane up a little bit and go up a few thousand feet up into the sky. Do you think that fostering is the ultimate solution? I mean, you, you're very experienced in it. You have seven fosters currently, I guess. I, I'm, I'm not even going to ask you how many fosters you've had in your lifetime. Uh, <laughs> do you think that's the ultimate solution? Um, No, not the ultimate solution. I mean, I believe it's, it's you know, spay and neuter, you know, got... Everybody stayed and neutered their animals, um, you know, things like that. You know, between them, it, it could be. But you that's mean, not just the ultimate solution. By itself is not the... But you, you think that it, it plays a big central, you know, uh, part in the ultimate solution to not having dogs being killed or, or cats being killed. It, exactly. It could. Um, but then again, you know, if, if more people stayed and neutered, I mean, you're not going to stop all of the the dogs and cats coming through. Right. But how much of a personal sacrifice has it been for you and for your the people in your rescue, the other, you know, seven other people or six other people that are doing fostering in your site? Um, um for me because I run the rescue, um you know, it takes it does take and I I work a day job as well. Um it does take up a lot of time, but if somebody's just, you know, Taking one here or there, it's not like having, you know, it's, you have it along with your own dog. So it's not really a sacrifice. Um, the only part that, you know, people get sad about is when they do find their home because they're going to miss them. But, you know, overall, they're, they're more happy than anything. Who are you talking about when they say they? I'm sorry, the other people in my, my group. The oh. foster homes when they give them up. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry. And 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 you're saying that it's not a great sacrifice for you to have uh, seven strange dogs in your house currently? No, I love it. Okay. I love it. It's very rewarding to help them find homes. And you know, I mean, it does, definitely gets chaotic, but... <laughs> how hard is it for you to find new foster homes? Not not adoptive homes. I'm talking about foster homes. Foster homes, that is actually a little bit more difficult um, because... Either they have dogs or children, so to match them up sometimes, um, but we can't always find them a dog. But there's so many groups out there looking for foster homes. Um, so pretty much anyone who's going to foster is with a group. Right. And, and do, you, do the rest of your foster members in your group, do they also feel the same way that it's not much of a personal sacrifice to have, you know, these multiple um, strange dogs, you know, coming no, into your house and they, leaving? They love it. They love okay. it. So, <laughs> so let me ask you this question. Now, to our listeners, remember now, um, you're talking to people that are, uh, Brenda and I are, are very familiar with the world of fostering. Brenda herself was a, an animal foster when I met her. Um, but our audience is all of New York City and obviously goes into the tri-state region. It's, it's the most powerful station in the nation, WABC. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question I have for you is is really related to more of the people out there that have no idea this concept of what you just defined, one a dog of my own and seven strangers currently, um, mm-hmm. the people that do this. And um, you define it as not having much you know, impact on your life or sacrifice on your life. Um, people are probably listening and saying, what's wrong with her? <laughs> um, let me ask you this on a theoretical basis. Do you think that people get into serial fostering, meaning one foster after the other, to help the dog or in some way to fill more of a void in their own lives? I think it could be both. I I think that there's some people that they really, you know, they care about the dogs. They want to get them in, get them into their home, get that next dog. I mean, if you go into the shelters, it just breaks your heart. You want to get the next one out. You fall in love with these dogs. And then there's definitely some people that, you know, they need to to have that, that feeling of uh, the accomplishment and everything else. You mean? So, I mean, you have, you have two different kinds of people. Because? And then you have, yeah, go sorry. Ahead. 
No, no, no. Go ahead. No, no. I, I didn't want to cut you off. Go ahead. Did you have something? Oh, no, no. That's okay. I, you know, I was just saying, um, you know, that some people, they, they, you know, also just need things to do, and, and that gives them, you know, a purpose. It gives them a purpose, yeah. That's, yeah. That, that has been my read of it as well. Um, to me, it seems that a lot of the good people that are fostering uh, carry the undue burden of society. Society, basically, you know, you know what percentage of the population fosters. I mean, I think that you'd have to, you know, you, you'd need a new pen with brand new ink in it to write all the zeros uh, mm-hmm. before you get to a number. Okay, that uh, in terms of percentage, um, that's how small the the, num- the percentage of the population uh, that fosters in the United States is. So these are people that are. Uh, overly good or overly stupid or overly kind or overly missing something and overly. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely the overly uh, ad- adjective applies to them. And it's a, it's a life that I've, I've had difficulty. I mean, I I've obviously have tremendous compassion to the animal cause, uh, but it's a life that I've had difficulty understanding. And I always look at Brenda somewhat as like an animal. I'm sorry, like a, um, like a laboratory object, you know, and like how how does your mind work? And that's the way I'm I'm talking to you probably a little bit. Seven fosters, um, and 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 no husband and no kids. Now let me ask you something: If you met the right guy today, and he said I cannot live with seven fosters and one dog, what would you do? I would not be with him. That easy? Yeah. And I, if, I would find somebody, you know, that is in the animal world. You know, they have have to understand me. No, what, that's right. Love me, love my dogs. No, exactly. but, but wait a second now, Carrie. I said to you, you have seven foster dogs. Those are the ones that are going in and out of your door, okay? Uh-huh. I, I, I didn't say to you, the guy said, get rid of all your dogs. Okay, that's a meanie, okay? We don't like meanies on this show, so we would shoot him right off the bat, okay? Uh-huh. But I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about the guy that comes in and says, okay, look, you got one dog and you got seven fosters. I can't handle seven fosters. How about we cut down to one foster? What do you yeah, say? probably wouldn't happen. I mean, I would compromise, but... You know, he he would have to give more than I would. Uh, you mean uh, seven going to one is too much for you? I- exactly. Okay, so seven to six maybe is, would be an acceptable compromise. Mm-hmm. There's a compromise yeah. number in there somewhere. And if but, you, any, but uh, you know, I mean, I, I have a, a boyfriend now. He comes in, he walks them, and he takes care of them, and he loves them. Oh, so you have a boyfriend that, that <laughs> loves them all. You didn't tell us that. Okay. And And is he planning on moving in? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's none of your business, Alex. I'm, you know, I'm still looking for the silence Alex button, which the engineers have yet to give me. <laughs> well, because I have no control over this man. Well, Mike, okay. Mike, our engineer, was in the studio, and he feel was, free to tell him it's none of his damn business. <laughs> when, when you said that you would dump the guy that you fell in love with if he didn't want the seven fosters. He's cheering back there. Mike was cheering like you there could you not go. see the guy. That's he was right. just like, yeah, Carrie, dump <laughs> them all. <You> know? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if you're with someone, they got to, you know, understand your passion. And, and um, you don't think also that the, um, the, the kind people that do this fostering or whatever kind of people they are, are carrying this burden that society just kind of dumps on them? Um, we definitely have to pick up the slack. And, and you don't blame society for forcing you into a corner where you need to pick up the slack? Um, definitely. I mean, I, I definitely get mad at certain people when they, you know, if they're not going to spay and neuter, or, you know, all of a sudden they want to breed and, you know, they're not legitimate breeders and things like that. I mean, it definitely puts a toll on you and you definitely, you know, get a chip on your shoulder. Yeah, but I'm, I'm talking about the, the larger society out there, okay? They basically say dump the animal in the shelter. You don't want oh. the animal, dump him in. The, that, that's the rule. That, that's the rule of law here. You, want, you don't yeah. want the animal, dump it in the shelter. Shelter, shelter is going to kill it. You've got, you know, you've got the big heart. You pull them out, so you end up with another dog. So now you go to eight. Do you not blame society for doing this to oh, kind definitely. people like yourself? Definitely. You know, oh, we're moving. We can't take the dog. Just go throw it in the shelter. I mean, when you get a dog, it's for life. 
you know, you should do whatever you can. To, I mean, you know, when you move, doesn't mean you can't take the dog. Things like that, yes, absolutely. You know, uh, that dog's, you know, has some behavior problems. Just go dump it in a shelter. It, you know, it's definitely shouldn't be the way. Well, Carrie, you know, you're a very kind and very nice lady. <laughs> um, my hypothesis is that you will never find enough fosters to fix the animal problem in the world. Because it takes if, a unique kind of an individual to do what you're doing. Yes, but if you can, you know, help those few individual dogs that, you know, keeps them alive, you know, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that, too, if you're okay with that. How's that? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Carrie, thank you very much for joining us. We're going to be, uh, we're going to be coming right back. We're going to take a, a station break, and we're going to come right back with Marianne Doherty, who's, uh, who's the Foster Committee co-chair of a very well-known um, Husky Rescue. We'll be right back. Hey, Brenda, what's the best way for the good folks out there to help their furry friends? Well, they can buy our Dogs in Danger branded T-shirts, mouse pads, and postage stamps. And you know those stamps are real U.S. postal stamps, so you can use them every day. Just think, someone else finding out about this cause each time you send a letter. So please go to dogsindanger.com and buy from our selection of logoed products. Remember, each purchase helps us save a life. That's dogsindanger.com. Right now, thousands of wonderful dogs are in shelters waiting for families. Meanwhile, puppy mills breed tens of thousands of puppies each year to be sold in pet stores or over the Internet for profit. Dogs in puppy mills never feel the touch of a kind hand or grass under their paws. They're forced to have litter after litter to produce puppies for sale in pet stores at high prices. At the same time, many dogs lose their lives in shelters because people choose to buy rather than adopt their pet. Best Friends is working with you and with you main groups all across the country to bring about a time when every animal has a loving home and there are no more homeless pets. Through their puppy mill incentive, thousands of dogs have been rescued from lives of suffering and have become part of loving families. And you can help save even more. Text the word DOG to 90999 to give $5 to Best Friends Animal Society and help save the life of a puppy mill dog. Together, we can make the dream of no more homeless pets come true. Message and data rates may apply. Throw your dog a bone. Let him listen to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on 77 WABC. Back to Alex and Brenda. Welcome back to Dogs in Danger Radio. We're talking about fostering today. And uh, our next guest is Mariana Mariana, good, my good friend Mariana, I should add, who's um, an active volunteer and foster home and co-chair of the Foster Committee with Tales of the Tundra Siberian Husky Rescue, uh, which is a, a rescue group that I was an active volunteer with for years and a foster home. And so um, hopefully Mariana's with us. Are you there? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Mariana. I know you're already up, so I'm not ap- apologizing for you being up at this oh, hour. Oh, certainly not. You can't, <laughs> you can't keep the huskies down at this time of morning. <laughs> so so um, how many dogs have you fostered? Because I've lost count up to now. Um, I am about at 35, in, and that is in, we were just talking about it, six and a half years. Wow. Mm-hmm. So 35 huskies and husky mixes and some independently that I found homes for. Right. And, uh, and I know if you if you were on the line to hear the um, the the prior interview, you're probably really scared right now. <laughs> because... I was listening, but I've had these conversations before, so I think I can over our dinner table. So you can handle Alex. I'm I, not too I worried about you. Yeah, I'm a tough uh, you're a toughie, and you're courageous to come on the show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so uh, how how long has it been? You said six and a half years of fostering. Right. Six and a half years of fostering. Yep. Yeah. Okay, and how many do you have right now? Right now, I own three dogs, and I f- am fostering three dogs. On three dogs? Yeah. He's taking notes. Yeah. He's taking <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Okay. It's not that complicated. All right. Now, we have to tell our audience that basically they're, they're all the same breed, correct? Yes. I, we were, well, I am volunteering with a breed-specific rescue, so that means that we take in um, all huskies all the time. <laughs> And mixes. mixes. And mm-hmm. mixes, yeah. And husky mixes. And a few and that have been claimed to be mixes, but we're pretty sure they weren't. But I did have a black, blue-eyed pit that I, put, I passed off as a husky once upon a time. But, but huskies is us, as far as you're concerned. As far as I'm concerned. Okay. It's not that I don't love other dogs. Please don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't love other dogs. It's 
that I got into this rescue because I had questions about my own dog, and I was having behavior issues with my own dog, and I felt that it was the most appropriate place to go was to volunteer with um, Tales of the Tundra Siberian Husky Rescue, and that's kind of where I stayed. But I certainly do love other dogs. Great, great. Have you had um, serious dog fights in your home? On occasion, yes. Uh, and have you been attacked? Have I been attacked? Well, I wouldn't say attacked. Um, <laughs> there, uh, I certainly have never been attacked. Huskies, um, the dogs that I've taken in have always had um, some behavioral med- or medical issue. I tend to, to take in the um, neglected or unwanted, <laughs> um, hard-to-train dogs, but I have never uh, actually been attacked. I have been bit um, by a dog, and I actually have, you know, had scratches and bruises from breaking up a fight. I think but most people who have multiple dogs who've been fostering have been through that situation. Uh, exactly. Has, but you have been bitten fairly severely, correct? I, d- I was bitten um, severely. No, I had a few puncture wounds, but yes, I, I didn't require stitches or medical attention. Right. I mean, the reason I ask is because uh, huskies are big dogs, A. Mm-hmm. They have a big mouths, B, they and they have even bigger teeth. C. All dogs, all dogs have the potential to bite. So, the, the, the but the majority of dogs that come into rescue do not have behavioral problems. No. And uh, but but if you stay in it long enough, and you've been doing this a long time now, eventually mm-hmm. you do get dogs with behavioral problems or medical issues. You see it all when you've had dogs this long. And I think that it's my preference at this point for rehabilitation. Um, you know, and that's. That's my preference. I'm a behaviorist by trade. So with people, I am a behavioral consultant. So I I really do like behaviors. So I do tend to take in the more behavioral dogs. Yeah, we should mention you don't do this, although it is a full-time job. You don't do, you you actually have a paying career. (laughs) I do have a very serious career and I am a, you know, professional. And I think that there is a stereotype that a lot of foster homes are not, um, you know, that these are just people who sit home and hang out with their dogs all day, and that is certainly not the case. Right. And, Mariana, why do you keep fostering dogs? Um, from a behavioral perspective, I think that it satisfies uh, this um, great need in, in me that I, I love doing it. It really is something that is so fulfilling for me. Uh, I feel as though it is, for those dogs that I save, it is a huge contribution. For the families that I, that I help to make, it's a huge contribution. And I think that there's education that comes along with this. So I, I have such, uh, I don't know, I have such an affinity for it that I keep, that I keep on. But it's, it's not without personal sacrifice, right? Uh, yes, and I was, I was listening before, and I was thinking that you kind of get into a mentality of fostering, uh, that... You know, I don't think about all the sacrifices. I guess if somebody came in and analyzed my life, they would think about all the sacrifices that I make, but it's not like that on a day-to-day basis. Right. I think people don't really think about the sacrifice on a day-to-day basis. I mean, if you said about, you know, it's like asking the parent of a child, well, what are the sacrifices you've made for your child? And they get offended by the question. I love them, so it's not the sacrifice. It's not not like that. And I I guess there are little things that I could think about every day, like, oh, if I didn't have this many dogs in my house, maybe this would be easier. But it's not something, my mentality completely takes me to someplace different. I don't. I don't think about that. And Tales of the Tundra operates in a lot of different states, right? So you are mm-hmm. um, are, are often on weekends of your off time or your career shuttling I, dogs around to try to get them adopted all over the place, right? I am. I have been on adoptions that are three and a half hours away and made it in a day and came right back as, you know, as soon as the adoption was over. Our, our rescue is a little bit different because we actually go to the family's homes. Not all rescues operate the same way. So we actually go to the family's home with multiple dogs and work on finding the right fit for that family. So it does require me to go to, to people's houses, which is, which is different, but it is really a, a very nice way to be able to do that. We not only get to do a home check, but we get to see the dog-dog interaction, the people interaction in the environment where the dog would be living. Uh, so Mariana. Instance, oh, I'm sorry. No problem. Mary, why, do you, why Siberian Huskies? Why did you choose them? Oh, this is totally my husband's fault, actually. I blame him all the time. I didn't, uh, a Siberian Husky chose me. I didn't choose a Siberian Husky. Um, they're infectious, firstly. But my husband really had, um, Chris really, really wanted a wolf-like dog, and that's another misconception about Huskies. They're having a wolf in them. They're not as, as much of a non-wolf as a Chihuahua. 
But um, <laughs> the fact of the matter is that he really had wanted this breed, and I thought that there were no Siberian Huskies in shelters, shockingly enough. And here I go, and I go to the, the shelter, and there is a purebred Siberian Husky that I've now had for seven years. Wow. So tell me the top the three sh- short sentences, the top three great things about fostering, and then tell me immediately following that, the three <laughs> worst things about uh, fostering. What are the best and worst things about fostering? He made it more complicated. <laughs> the best and worst things about fostering, three things. Um, the best thing really is uh, it, there is nothing like knowing that you saved a dog's life that was going to be euthanized. It is just a personal triumph. So that's number one. Number two, uh, the honest, honestly, it is joyous on so many occasions to, to make a family. To really make a fa- to see that this dog comes in and, and completes a family is amazing. Um, number three, there, honestly, it's it's like coming home to I don't know to a zoo <laughs> in such a good way that I get to come home and I lay down with my dogs and there's all of these dogs that are so appreciative of what I've given to them. I I really there it's just heartwarming all the time and I don't know that a lot of people have that in their lives on a daily basis. Um, Worst things, um, there are sacrifices to my own dog's needs that, you know, when I think about it, if I really sat down to think about it, which I don't do too often, I feel as though my dogs don't always get as much attention as they need or should should get. Uh, there is the running around and the phone calls and all of these things that kind of preoccupy your time. You really have to be a good time manager to be a foster home, uh, to be able to make all the vet appointments and do all of those things, and sometimes it does... you know push you to the limit a little bit and then really it's the third thing is the worst thing about fostering is knowing that you can't save everybody and i think that that's a very hard hard thing to deal with on a daily basis that you know that you're going to get a phone call that that dog was euthanized or have an owner call and say because you didn't take my dog you're a bad person you didn't help me and i think that that's really hard those were those were one of the hardest ones for mm-hmm. me, and and the realization that no matter how much good you do, it's never enough. It's never enough, and that and that's hard. That is hard. Uh, but Mariana, let me ask you this: What would happen if your husband came to you? And this is the same question I asked Carrie before. <laughs> I was listening, and I knew it was coming. <laughs> you know, it was coming. You know, it was coming because it's what the listeners want to know. I yeah. know Chris, and he would never. never. Chris would never do it. I know <laughs> Chris also. Who knows my husband. Right. Chris yeah. would never, but Chris came to you and he said, "You know what? Six Siberian huskies just ran through my living room. Okay, knocked over Six my sofa. Siberian. <laughs> did, did, I mean, listen. furniture Olympics. Have you ever heard of furniture Olympics? <laughs> <laughs> I have heard of wolfy dogs, and I think the Siberians come about as close as there is. So six Siberian huskies just ran through my living room, and I can't take it anymore. So we got to cut the number down to one or two at most." I I have uh, I had taken a break up until this year. I actually um, I had been fostering regularly, and in December I had taken a few months break um, per Chris, Chris's request. That I have I have a dog with me who is so medically needy that she can't be rehomed, and we accept her as our own, even though she is our third foster. But uh, be, she was the only dog in the house other than you know my dogs. Uh, and he asked me, and I, and because this is my relationship and it's primary to, um, to my whole life, you know, I had to respect that from, from him, that he felt that I was cut, you know, way too thin and spread way too thin and that we needed to take a break. And I did take a few months off. So I did balance that for a few months. And then the dogs that I took in consequently, um, I don't know if I should say it on the radio or not, but somebody had left me their dogs in their will to find homes for them. Right. So when she had passed away, I had taken those dogs. If not, I would probably still be on a break. A very sad story, and they're not listed on so Dogs in Danger. So your answer is? They're very no. much in need of homes. They are very much dogs. in need of homes. But I did, when he needed a break, when he told me I needed a break, I did listen to him. So if he said to you, I'm cutting, you know, we got to cut it down to one or two dogs and no more fostering, you would say, yes, my husband. I would never, ever, first of all, say yes, my husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, I would never get rid of my own dogs ever, ever. But, um, the, but I would respect that he said, look, honey, this is not 
this this is the time. Right. And don't don't think that he hasn't said that to me before. And I've given him my big blue eyes, and he's gone. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's one more? Or snuck a dog in that maybe he wouldn't notice an maybe extra dog. Right? So he has so come home to a dog on occasion. But I really I have taken now six and a half years later. I have really taken a step back and said, okay, I'm listening to you now. But it did take six and a half years. And so, and this is a question that that I used to get all the time, so I'm asking you um, to tell people, how do you let them go? After you take them in, you care for them, you love them, you give them behavior and training and medical care, how do you let them go? Um, I, I, you know, some are harder than others. I tell people that all the time. Um, I love all the dogs who come here, and but some don't take as much space in my heart, you know? Right. So the ones who do take a lot of space, it's very, it is very, very difficult. There is a grieving process. And the way that I typically get over a grieving process is go out and do more good and help more, help another dog. Right. <laughs> and you learned, you learned early on that every once in a while you can't say goodbye. Every once in a while, you can't say goodbye. I actually have two of my fosters. I have the first foster. Um, I adopted the first foster that I ever had through Tales of the Tundra. Um, and even though two of my best efforts for nine months, I really did try to find her a home. <laughs> she wasn't going anywhere. She was too crazy. Um, she's doing very well now. But, yes, she was, in fact, um, my first foster failure um, out of love completely. Uh, and then I had another dog. He was my sixth or seventh dog that was adopted out and was returned to me with some medical issues. And when he came back to me, he was so... Um, appreciative and so um, connected to me that I couldn't have possibly let him go again. So I have kept three out of the 34. So sometimes, and then there are those that have a heartbreak. My husband and I have both fallen for dogs that we knew weren't appropriate to keep in our home. Right. Because you have to consider the dogs you already have and your personal exactly. dogs. And, right. It's and, tough balance. and as my dogs age, it's a whole different consideration. So. Marianne, you don't have any children, correct? No, I do not. Okay. So let's say that hypothetically you try to try to place yourself in a world where you had children. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a scary do world. Do you think <laughs> the world that I I don't know that I can go to? But okay. <laughs> okay. So if you if you had children, um, if I had children, do you think that you'd be able to balance the responsibilities of multiple Siberian Huskies as well as a toddler in your home? I think definitely that I would. I would probably limit my fostering, but I would certainly be able to balance it because the dogs were here first, and it's something that I would need to consider, you know, upon having children. So there are rescues that there are foster homes that do have children on rescue. They do an amazing job, and I know that it is a balancing act, but I do think it's possible. It's no different to me than having your personal dogs and getting pregnant and having a baby. So I. It would always be the dogs are here, this is what we're doing, the baby is as much part of the family as the dogs are, right? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, talking, about the, I'm talking about the fosters. They're, the they're, fosters, they're I not might have really. to limit the fostering, but I, I could see myself still fostering one, one dog or every, you know, every few months taking a dog in. Do you think that fostering is the ultimate solution? I don't think it's the ultimate solution. I do think that it's necessary, although it is wonderful to work with shelters and help shelters place dogs, there are dogs that do need rehabilitation. So I don't think that it, I don't think overall um, the rescue world, the shelter world can operate without foster homes, without good quality foster homes to help rehabilitate the dogs. I do believe that there needs to be some larger aspect of how we are reducing the number of dogs that we have in shelters and reducing the number of dogs that um, are having litters of puppies and are in puppy mills and unfortunately um, pet stores need to be limited as well but I or actually abolished but that's a whole other story so but I, I don't know that I could I solve the pet population problem now if Bob Barker couldn't do it I certainly well, I'm not gonna be able to do it on my own <laughs> Mariana you're a very impressive uh, young lady obviously oh, you're you. highly intelligent okay. uh, very conversant and obviously a thinker um, so you are thinking about the, the actions that you're taking clearly you know what you're doing um, and and the the question that I really want to ask you as somebody that's inside of this uh, animal bubble very very seriously and who's also a thinker which is believe it or not in my opinion hard to find um, with all of this effort going on by people such as yourself and Carrie um, all over this country you know fostering Oh my God! We know we, we've heard of people going into into dozens of dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still killing four million cats and dogs. Four million. Yeah. Cats and dogs are still being killed. 
Do you not feel as a thinking woman that maybe it's too little too late and that maybe a different solution, your energy, your brain, your money going into a different solution would maybe give you a bigger payoff? I no, I don't I actually don't. I think that there is a place for everybody. So as a as a thinker, I think that there is a place for everybody in this solution and my job is to educate people um not only to be able to foster these dogs, but I am a living, breathing reality as to what's not working in society. So I do feel that that my fostering dogs, although it's only a portion of what can be done for for the animal community, you know, animals that are in need, I do feel that it is just as appropriate. What do you and mean you're a living? Where I choose to spend my energy. So I think that volunteering in general, it has to be reinforcing to the individual, and I don't, I don't believe that. Um, my energy is not being spent well. I feel as though I'm reinforced on a daily basis for the actions that I do, and I'm educating people at all times. And how are you educating people? We're educating the families um, of the people who adopt our dogs. We're always um, uh, working through Facebook, through Twitter, through our website to educate people about dogs and about adopting dogs versus uh, buying dogs and about saving dogs and about how many dogs that are really in need. So I, I do believe that we are educating people on a daily basis. You know, you said something very interesting, I think, and I think you hit the crux of the problem, but I think we also have to cut the commercial. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, we've got about a minute before we cut. So um, you said something fascinating to me um, in that last sentence. You said that fostering or volunteering has to be about the individual's It has to be well. reinforcing. Reinforcing. Reinforcing, right. yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and what you're, I think in a, in, in a sentence what you're saying is that for people to give their time away, they got to get something back. Yep. And, and only it, it they can decide. <laughs> huh? It could be minuscule. Right. <laughs> and only they can decide what's fulfilling to and them. And it's not money. Yeah. Right. It's no, never, no. It it's, it's, hasn't been money for me. Right. Only the individual that's volunteering can decide mm-hmm. what's fulfilling right. to them. Right. So yeah. it's all about them. So what happens is whatever side benefits society gets out of the volunteering, hey, you got it for free is, is kind of the, 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 this, the side benefit. So whether... You know, it satisfies you to do this. And and maybe 10,000 other people like you, it satisfies all of you to do this. But it doesn't solve the really big problem because, you know, innocent dogs are being killed as we speak today. I, um, oh, I'm sorry. I can't, no. I can't say that I am not part of helping solve that problem. So I can't. There's a contribution that everybody's making. Mm-hmm. So even though maybe it's not as large scale as, you know, doing a radio show, it's still a huge contribution to the dogs in this area. Oh, I agree. I mean, you, you clearly save dogs. I just, you know, um, it piques my interest when I talk to someone such as yourself, who is clearly a, a, an intellectual of great capabilities. And, you know, I say to myself, my goodness, if that energy and that brain could be harnessed, uh, for the greater good, we could eliminate. We could eliminate the killing of all dogs in this country in a year. But anyway, that's for another topic, another day. We're Lofty goals to- for <laughs> another show. <laughs> and, this is, and, and it's something that we have had conversations about prior. And we'll um, continue. And we'll continue. So I do think that you're doing your part, and we as rescue and volunteers are doing our part. There you go. And we're going to be right back with some final thoughts. Thank you, Mariana, for joining us this morning, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Alex and Brenda from the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour with a special message for you, WABC listeners. Our charity, the Buddy Fund, has saved over 50,000 dogs from being killed, placing them in loving homes across the country. Through our program, Dogs in Danger, we give a voice to the voiceless and raise awareness about issues and indiscretions in the animal community that would otherwise go unnoticed. However, as a charity, we are dependent on donations from listeners like you to keep the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour alive on WABC Radio. We ask that you please look into your hearts, and if you support our cause and want to continue help us make a difference, please log on to dogsindanger.com and make a donation to the Buddy Fund. Any amount you can spare would go a long way in helping keep animals out of kill shelters and informative programming on the air. It's up to listeners like you to help make the difference in the life of a furry little friend. So please log on to dogsindanger.com and make a difference. Love rabbits? 
so do we. Come visit the Best Friends Animal Society website during Rabbit Week, July 18th through the 24th, to explore everything about rabbits. Best Friends Animal Society is working all around the country to help animals and to bring about a time when there are no more homeless pets. Plus, our very special pet sanctuary is unlike any other on Earth. It's something you have to experience to believe. So come visit us at bestfriends.org. That's bestfriends.org to learn more about the magic. And don't forget to join us for Rabbit Week. The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. Honest talk, even when it bites. On 77 WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Welcome back to Dogs in Danger Radio. And we were just having a really fascinating discussion uh, about fostering. One with a good friend of mine, Mariana, who is a volunteer with Tales of the Tundra Siberian Husky Rescue. And uh, it's a group that uh, I'm very... Uh, fond of um, and and still a little bit involved with, although I don't have a whole lot of time since uh, dogs in well, danger. Well, in, in uh, truth, in um, in disclosure act requires me to admit that Brenda used to be a foster with this specific rescue that Mariana is with. Right. And, and uh, I had the, you know, and I and I fostered a few dogs. I fostered a couple of dogs, and and uh, they were great dogs. Got them adopted into very loving families. Cried my eyes out when they left. Um, really, you know, learned a lot about the uh, the whole rescue community and fostering at that time. And then my final foster, which I failed fostering on and ended up adopting her, was a special needs dog that uh, just didn't want to find a home. And I fell in love with her and she fell in love with me. And so well, I met my personal limit on dogs and, and here we are. So I gave and, up fostering. And, and it was really tough to give up fostering because once you've started, you know, like both of these um, guests this morning talked about, you know, once you've done it and it, and had that be part of your life, you've been part of saving a life, you get into a mindset of, I need to do this, and you see an empty spot in your home, you think, I could be saving a life. Well, that is true. Um, I came into Brenda's life at that point when she had this crazy dog, and uh, it was a Siberian Husky. She's so, not crazy. Well, I Okay, think she's, she's a little bit crazy. Okay, I think she's nuts. Okay, how about that? <laughs> a- anyway, so this crazy dog was in her life, and she was trying to adopt a dog. She tried to adopt a dog for two years, okay? Um, she did. She was unable to adopt the dog for two years because anybody whose home she took the dog to noticed that the dog was crazy and would not want the dog. So what happened? Brenda ended up with the dog. So good, kind-hearted Brenda already had two dogs of her own, which were both Siberian Huskies. And then what happened? She got the third dog, a crazy dog on top of that, a quite violent one once in a while, especially with food. You don't want to be around this dog with food, okay, guys? She's uh, unless much you have an extra hand. She's much you, improved. You don't mind and losing. You, and you, know? you exaggerate. No, 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 I do not exaggerate. Let me tell you, food you do guarding. not want to be around her with food, okay? Um, unless you've got an extra hand, like I said, and most people don't have a third hand to lose, you know? Anyway, so she ends ha, up with the dog. So she ends up with the dog. Oh, we got to get out of here. Look at this. Yeah, it's 58 do. minutes already. Yeah. Um, we have a couple, just a couple of things. We have um, a dog that was promoted uh, by Saul Gersh, Miami Beach. Thank you. Um, promoted Hudson, uh, Greenville County Animal Conservancy. Animal Care Services. Thankfully, uh, Hudson was adopted uh, or rescued, at least. The shelter said he was saved. So that's good news. Um, so we have another dog here, Sasha, City of Jacksonville Animal Care and Protective Services. And Sasha is an Airedale Terrier. She's quite adorable. And um, her picture is going to be on our website. You can search. Um, it, it is on Dogs in Danger now. You can search Florida and you'll find her. Her name is Sasha in Jacksonville. And Sasha is a little dog, big dog. What is it? She is, um, you know, they haven't given a whole lot of description here, just a picture. Unfortunately, I can't show the picture on the radio, so they'll have to check out the website to see it. She's she's adorable. Um, she looks to be, if I had to take a guess, probably about 20 pounds. 20 pounds? Ish. Yeah, smallish. Okay, well, please save smallish. Sasha. Just uh, your contribution to this uh, to this great cause. And as I said to you, now uh, in our house, uh, this crazy dog lives with us, and um, I... I I stay away from that dog as much as I can. But this is the problem with You lie like a cheap rug. <laughs> anyway, uh, lie or not, the, the, um, the theme music is on. We're going to have to get off the air. The news is going to be next on WABC. We will be back next week with shelter directors speaking in their own words. These are the guys at the front lines inside of the shelters that make the decisions. Who lives, who dies, how they do it the process, the whole thing right here on the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour.